Chapter 13, 1 through 9 says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, and his, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, and unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And Abram called unto the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they may dwell together, for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and, your, and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, and I will go to the right. If thou will depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. In second place, Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 21, says, If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversations of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye be put on the new man, which is in God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Abraham was this man of faith who was willing to respond to the voice of God. He was willing to do what God was calling him to do, even when it didn't make sense. And along the way, he stumbled. He failed, something we can relate to. But he always allowed the voice of God to bring him back into focus, put him back on the right path. And sometimes he did things on his own and tried to force things. And when he did that, it ended in chaos. But every time that he listened to the voice of God, every time he did what God said to do, he got one step closer to his promise. He got one step closer. And every time he chose what God wanted above what he wanted, he got just a little bit closer to seeing the will of God done in his life. It's important that we move to respond to the movement of God's Spirit. It's like last week. But it's also that we take this home with us. Because we can shout and dance and cry and pray. It's not all over the place up here. But until we take it to our house, it means absolutely nothing. So... Just coming to church, hearing God speak, feeling His presence, the emotional response is great, but what, what we're talking about tonight doesn't end at the altar, but it's how we respond after Bethel. So I'll be speaking tonight after Bethel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence, for your spirit. Well, God, I pray that you'll be with us, walk with us, and I pray that you'll help us to flow in your spirit and feel what you want us to feel, and I pray that you'll help us to grow and learn and knowledge, and we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Abram, as we said, ended right back where he started, but he felt no closer to his promise. He was right back in the same exact place, but there was no goosebumps, there was no feelings, there was no excitement. It was just a dead place, but he decided, I'm going to worship there anyway. But this time, we're going to focus on what happened after. He made the sacrifice. What happened after he decided that in spite of my circumstance, I'm going to worship again. Genesis 13, 8, 9, we're going to read it again. 
says, Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I'll go right. If you take the right, I'll go left. And it was after, the, after Abram worshipped again, after he made the decision that even though I don't feel anything, I'm going to worship again, that he came to a realization is that he would never see the promise of God in his life with Lot by his side. No matter how bad he wanted to, he see, he loved Lot. He helped raise Lot. He was there with Lot his entire life. He was almost like a son to Abram. But Lot and his promise could not coincide. Lot and his anointing, they couldn't dwell together. They didn't work together. Lot's baggage and Abraham's blessing were, two, were against one another. And what Lot had with him couldn't work with Abram's blessing. And so the closer that Abram got to the promise, the bigger problem that Lot was going to be. And the closer he got to God's work being fulfilled, the harder it was going to be for Lot to operate in the same place as him. See, what we have to understand is the past really doesn't matter. How we got to where we are, we're here. Doesn't matter. I don't know what mistakes you made. I don't know what kind of failures. You can't change any of it. We can't change what went wrong. We can't change what happened. But all we know is we're here and the blood is for that. The blood is for our past. I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful that the blood washed my past away. But it doesn't end just at the blood. Because now, after I leave Bethel, I have to make difficult decisions if I'm going to move forward in my walk with God. If I'm going to step into the fullness of my promise, if I'm going to step into everything that God intended for me, there are some hard decisions I have to make. I have to part ways with some things that are working against my promise, with the things that are pulling against what God's Word is trying to do in my life. I have to make the decision to let it go a different way. I have to let go with the things that are at odds with my anointing. I have to let go of the things that are at odds with my calling. See, there are some things that were fine at Bethel the first time. And we still, even with those things in our life, we had a heavenly experience. There's, there's some things that, that we have in our life that God still showed up. But this time, when we get to Bethel, when we get here now, we have to make a decision. All right, it was okay last time, but if I'm going to grow... If I'm going to expand into what God has called me to be, there's some things that I've allowed in my life that i got to make a decision about. And if I want to get to where God is calling me now, I have to let go of some things that I've been comfortable with. See, just because we're living with something, when God fills us with the Holy Ghost, doesn't mean God likes it. Just because we have something in our life, when God touches and God speaks to us, doesn't mean God's okay with it. Sanctification is a process. You're not going to wake up and just know everything about the Bible. If you did, God bless you. You're better than me. You're not going to just wake up one day and know the Bible front to back, every principle, every commandment. You're not going to know everything about it. You're not going to have no more temptation from sin. That's not going to happen. But there's a process of sanctification. It's a moving process. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to our promise, the more things that we have to let go, the closer I get to my purpose, the more clear it becomes that Lot's not going to work in my life. Lot can't operate with me in my life. Brother Michael, a couple weeks ago, preached a powerful word about the kingdom. And he talked about how prosperity is great, but the aim of the kingdom is not prosperity, it's growth by dependence on God. 
It's about push, not being, it's not about the money and the blessings. It's about how dependent and how critical is God to everything that we are and, and growing closer to God. The nature of the kingdom is addition by subtraction. John the Baptist, I love it. He wrapped up the entire nature of the kingdom when he said in John 3 and 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. If you want to know the whole thought process, the whole summary of the kingdom is there's got to be more of him and less of me. There's got to be more of what I want and, and more, less of what, what I want. See, there's, there's not room for all of what God wants and all of what I want. There has to come a point where his plan takes precedence over my plan. His desires take precedence over my desires. What he wants for my life takes precedence over what I want for my life. Because the kingdom, as he increases, I decrease. See, Abram, he could have decided that I'm just going to stay where I am and I'm going to keep Lot in my life. And he would have been rich, but he would have been childless and miserable. He would have had blessings. He would have had some good things that God promised, but he never would have seen all of God's promise. He would have got some, somewhat closer, but he had to make a decision that if I'm going to get closer to what God intended, Lot's got to go. There's got to be some subtraction in my life. See, some of the chaos we deal with is that there were some things that was fine a year ago, but you've grown since then. There were some things that were okay two years ago, but you're not the same person you were two years ago. There were some things that could coincide with where you were, but all of a sudden you've grown and some things that wasn't in the way, now they're starting to be in the way a little bit. Brother Michael talked about it. You, you can't be in alignment anymore with the Word because you've grown and you're not who you used to be. We can't stay the same. God never intended for us to get the Holy Ghost and stop right there. This is always supposed to be a growth process. We're always supposed to be getting closer and closer to God and saying, God, what, what do you need to deal with in my life? What do I need to take off and what do I need to put on? What, what's got to go and what's got to, what, what, what do I need to change? Because the day that I think I've arrived, I've lost complete sight of the kingdom. I've never arrived. I've always got something to deal with until I'm, walking, until I'm walking with the angels. God's got some things to deal with in me. And I can't get so arrogant that I think I don't have to listen anymore to what God is saying. The whole kingdom is less of me, more of him. I'm not, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my desires. But what can I do for the kingdom? What can I do to push forward the kingdom? See, a lot of times we're discouraged and frustrated because we're not dealing with things in God. That's God trying to put conviction in our life. And God's trying to deal with some things, and we're just not listening. And we can't find peace and say, well, God, why can't I find peace? And God's trying to say, well, if you'd listen. If you, you know what it is. You know what's making you uncomfortable. Deal with it. See, there were some habits that didn't bother you before, but all of a sudden now it's uncomfortable. There's some... Some attitudes that you had before that you were okay with, but now all of a sudden that attitude you realize every time it starts to creep up, it's just something goes off in your spirit. My wife's grandma, she a uh, super spiritual woman, and she really was. And she was one of those, she'd be sitting in the rocking chair, all of a sudden she'd bust out speaking in tongues. And she's in the Holy Ghost and just in another world. Like, amazing woman. Uh, one of my favorite things is she read the Christmas story every year. And... She would just bust out crying as she's reading the Christmas story because it meant so much to her. And she's just a godly woman. And she would talk about, there was, 
she just she's about to go to the store, and all of a sudden she said, "Well, I can't go to the store. God just checked me." It's like for some reason, God God just checked me. I can't go. Or there, she started to talk about something or somebody, and she'd start to get the words out. Said, "Nope, God just checked me. I got to stop talking about that," because she was listening. And we've got to be sensitive to what God is doing. See, we're never going to feel peace as long as God's trying to grow us and we're working against what God's trying to grow in our life. We've got to listen. See, as long as we're trying to live the same way we were, we're never going to feel settled in our walk with God. Because God's drawing us, a holy God is drawing us closer. So there's got to be things that have to go. There's got to be things that we have to deal with. See, you'll never feel at peace living, being filled with the Holy Spirit but living an unholy lifestyle. You can't have the Holy Spirit in you and think, well, I'm just going to keep living the same way. There's a growth process. You're not going to get there overnight, but there is a growth process that has to happen. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Everybody say above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Paul makes his statements about the things that are above, he's saying a lot more than just thinking about spiritual things. To understand what he's saying, we have to understand the background. Jesus taught often about the kingdom of heaven in his parables. Many of his parables started with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. Kingdom of heaven is like unto this. It's like unto a mustard seed. It's like to leavened bread. And, and the kingdom of heaven in the mind of a Jew was more than just believing after Jesus. It represented a changing of the guard. See, Jewish theology taught that there was an evil age. That after the kings, the kings died and Israel was carried away into exile, that was the start of an evil age. And there was going to be an evil age until the Messiah came. And that would be the start of the kingdom age. That the Christ would come and he would establish the kingdom of God on the earth. And that would be the start of a different age, a kingdom age. So this is why many of them saw Jesus and said, well, he can't be the Messiah. Because he's not establishing a kingdom. He's just preaching. He's not, he's not trying to overthrow the government. He's not, he's not establishing anything. They expected a physical kingdom to be established. They expected a physical kingdom and that this Messiah would come and overthrow the governments of the world and he would destroy their enemies. And, and when he was finished and when he finally sat on the throne in Jerusalem, it would be the start of the kingdom age and Israel would be the most prosperous, powerful nation on the world, in the earth. And this was how they envisioned the promise of, to Abraham that out of, from you all the nations of the world would be blessed because they thought this new age would be ushered in and Israel would reign over the earth. So they thought that this overnight there was going to be this overthrow. And we know that that's not what happened. The Jews never expected the church. They never expected what we have here to be here. Instead, Paul talked about ruling in heavenly places or thinking about the things that are above. And he explained, instead of being a hard shift from the evil age to the kingdom age, there was going to be a space in between, and that's the church age. And that's where we are. And what we are is that there is going to be a time when the church operated on the earth with spiritual power. That we were going to operate in the evil age, on the evil world, but we were going to have kingdom power. We were going to be used mightily by God. We, they were going to use, we were going to be operating the spirit. And so when Christ appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That, that we know that eventually when Christ returns in the second coming, that's when the kingdom is going to be established. But right now we're in that space in between. 
Jesus summed up everything in this parable in Matthew 13. says, he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said, Then do you want us to go up and gather them? And he said, No, lest gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let, let both grow together until the harvest. And the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles so they be burned. But we may gather the wheat under my barn. He was describing a real-world scenario that there was going to be an age where, where what he was talking about is back in the day that feuding farmers, if they had problems with each other, they would wait till one sowed his field, and they would sneak in there and throw poisonous plants in there among them. And they looked alike until they got to a certain point, so at first you couldn't tell them apart. But by the time you could tell them apart, their roots were growing together. So if you tried to pull out this darnel, this, this poisonous plant, you would pull up the good the good things, the good wheat. And so he was telling them there's going to be a time of the good seed living among the bad seed. There was going to be a season. There's going to be a stretch of the good seed among the evil seed. And that's where we are. We're the good seed among the evil world. We're, we're, the, we're the representative of God that's been sold among an evil world, a world that's in sin and going after chaos. And so that there's going to be a time where there's godly people that are growing and maturing at the same time that the world is growing among them. And so this, this when, we, when, when the kingdom age is fulfilled, then God's going to separate it all at the end. But we're that bridge in between two ages. So that's why we're called to live and act and operate with kingdom power in an evil world. We're called to operate with supernatural power in this evil, broken Broken, terrible world. We're called to spread a supernatural power to a lost and dark world. So we're, we're literally called to be ambassadors of a supernatural kingdom into a natural world. And so we're meant in our lifestyle and everything that we do to represent the kingdom. And that's why the gifts of the Spirit are important. Because we're not just coming to church and preaching a dead word. We're, we have a live spirit that we're bringing to this world. And if we just go through the motions, they can do that anywhere. But we're ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom. And we bring heavenly power down to a broken world. And we show people that we're not just going through the motions. But we have power. We have healing power. We have delivering power. We have the power to set free this is why the fruit of the Spirit is important because we're not just everybody. We're not ordinary, but we're ambassadors of another kingdom in this world. Our actions and decisions matter because there's some things, if I'm going to be an ambassador of that kingdom in this world, there's some things I have to let go of. There's some decisions I have to make because I can't live like this world and represent that kingdom. See, God will fill you with the Spirit while light is with you. And you're welcome in the kingdom, but we got to grow. If we're going to walk in the fullness of the promise, God calls for growth and calls for us to move forward in the kingdom. And just because God spoke to you with Lot with you before doesn't mean that I can get where God is calling me with Lot in my life. Just because God showed up and I've had powerful moves of God with Lot, it doesn't mean I can stay there. See, God speaking and appearing with Lot in his life was not validation, it was okay. 
When God told Moses from the very beginning, he said, leave your family. But he brought Lot with him anyway. Lot was never supposed to be there. But God didn't just crush him. God didn't forget about him. God said, well, I'm still going to speak to you. I'm still going to show myself to you. I'm still going to have mercy on you and show you grace. But if you're going to go all the way to where I'm calling you, Lot can't go with you. See, God didn't require him to be a finished product to show up and speak. I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God doesn't expect me to have everything together before he talks to me. Because it'd be quiet. So what do we do now? Paul gives direction on what it means for us in Colossians. Finishing up what we read earlier, Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these two, once you walked, but when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off your old self with its practices. And have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Said, but then put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing one another. And if one has complained against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord forgive, has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. There's a process. There's some putting on that we have to do, but there's also some putting off we have to do. See, we like to talk about the putting ons. And I thank God for them. But sometimes the put-offs is what makes room for God's promises to be fulfilled in our life. Sometimes it's the things we take off. See, we're never, we're never going to beat you over the head with the Bible here at this church. If somebody does, they're, they're, they're a guest. They're not from here. But the Bible does say that we have to put off the old man to put on the new man. We can't put the, the new man on top of the old man. There's got to be a putting off that takes place. There's some things that I just have to cut out of my life if I'm going to see the promises of God fulfilled. There's some things that I have to take off before I can put on the blessings that God wants for my life. See, the Holy Spirit inside of you will always be at war with your flesh. To the day you die, the, the, the spirit in you is going to be at war with the flesh. Because as long as we're representing that heavenly kingdom in an evil world, you're going to struggle with your flesh. First of all, the devil don't like you. Second of all, you want to do what feels good to your flesh. And so you're always going to struggle with temptation. You're always going to just struggle with desires that go against God's word when you're on this earth. The pull of sin is not going to go away as long as you're on this earth. But we can determine how we respond to it. I can make a decision about what I do with that temptation that comes along. I can make a decision on what I do when things are pulling at me and trying to pull me back to the life that God has called me out of. Ephesians 4, 21 says, If, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the, the former conversation, the old man. And when it says conversation in the King James Version, that means lifestyle, way of life. More broad than the King James says it. but So concerning the old lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, there's this lie that people tell us 
is that the reason that you feel so much restlessness is because you're worried about things that don't matter and you don't need to worry about those things. And if you'll just give in to your flesh and you'll find peace. If you'll just do what feels good and stop worrying about what, what the Bible says and what this old book says, that you'll feel peaceful. But that's not true. You're never going to find, the, the surrendering to sin isn't going to calm the storm. That's not what's going to bring peace in your life. The answer to chaos isn't giving in, but it's surrendering your flesh, going back to Bethel and say, let me put my flesh on the altar again and say, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. Less of me, more of God. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. And the more I can get myself out of the way, the more at peace I can be with what he wants for my life instead of what I want for my life. I said before, as long as you try to leave on your old lifestyle, when you're filled with this new spirit, you're going to be a walking contradiction. You're going to be constantly at war within yourself. And as long as you're trying to walk into your promise but holding on to Lot, you're going to feel strife. You're going to feel at war with yourself. At some point, we got to make a decision that, you know what, this lot that I've been holding on to, and some people are saying, well, he's close to you. You don't have to get rid of that. i got to make a decision. Is it worth it? Or do I want God's promise? Would I rather have lot or my promise? Would I rather have lot or my children? Would I rather have lot or everything that God wants? And I would rather let go of anything this world has to offer so that I can do what God has called me to do. I would rather release every pleasure this world can offer me and seek what God has for my life. God didn't save us to leave us the way he found us. He came to justify us, sanctify us, and eventually glorify us. And that's just fancy words that I'm going to try to explain broken down real easy. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I might say sanctify. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified. Everybody say justified. For our past when we're filled with the Spirit. When God forgives us of our sins and fills us with the Spirit, we're no longer responsible. We're justified for our past sins. So all that stuff in the past can no longer be held against us because it's under the blood. It's justified. The sacrifice has been paid. The justice has been served to our past when Jesus went to a cross. So we're justified. But sanctification is the process of being sanctified or set apart that happens in every believer. After we're justified for our past, we begin the process of becoming more like Christ. Once again, it doesn't happen overnight. I still don't know everything in it. I, I read it all the time. I love it. But I still don't know all of it. And if you do, God bless you. I don't want to stand behind you in judgment. But it's a process. You don't wake up knowing all of it. It's a process of learning the word, hearing the word, and listening to the moving of the spirit. As it moves on you, it convicts you. But it's, it's, through, it's through sanctification, that process that takes a lifetime, that we learn to grow closer to God and closer to what he wants us to be. And that's how we are kept blameless before the return of the Lord. We're not all going to be in the same place. And we don't all have to arrive at the finish line to make it to heaven. But we all have to be on that journey of sanctification. We all have to be in that process of growing as God leads us and guides us and shows us. And if we follow this process, if we allow God to speak and allow God to reveal and we make the changes and we do what God is calling us to do as we seek to please Him and grow in love toward Him, that will lead to glorification. 
And what that means is when we cross over into eternity, we're going to lose this mortal body and we're going to be glorified. We're going to receive a glorified body. Thank God. But we can't remain the same while we're on this earth and be in the will of God. It's impossible. We can't stay where we are because God always expects us to grow. He calls us to grow. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, or that world means this age, this evil age. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. We must present ourselves a living sacrifice. See, when a priest would make a sacrifice, they didn't just lay the whole animal on there and burn the whole thing. They would cut the animal up, and there were some parts of the animal that they just threw aside, and they didn't even burn. It wasn't even part of the sacrifice. There were some things on the animal that had to be thrown away completely. See, not every part of the sacrifice was acceptable. There were some that had to be, some were burned, but some were thrown away. Not everything in you, if you're a living sacrifice, is going to stay with you. If I'm going to be a living sacrifice, there's some things that just got to go. There's some things in my life, there's some attitudes, there's some things that I want to hold on to that can't go with me. There's some habits that have to go. There's some attitudes that I have to let go. There's some old hurts and some old hang-ups that I have to let go because that can't be part of the sacrifice because God's not interested in that. God's not want, God said put that off and take on what I've called you to be. There was a pruning that took place in Abram's life. John 15, 1 through 2 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it more, may bear more fruit. So, so the vine dresser is going around cutting everything. He's not just going there and picking the dead branches. He's cutting the good ones and the bad ones. You might as well just say he's cutting everything. And we say, well, why would he cut the, the, the good vines? I understand the bad ones that aren't producing fruit. But Jesus pointed out that some of the branches that have produced fruit in the past, we're going to cut those off too. See, Lot wasn't necessarily a problem in the past, but for there to be greater fruit, Lot had to go. Lot had to be pruned. And there's times, and I'm I'm 100% guilty of this, that we do good things out of habit. That we do the things we're supposed to do, but we don't do it out out of a spiritual conviction, but we do it just out of habit. Because what we've always done, because it's just what we do. And when it's time to give in the offering, we used to give as a form of worship, but now we just give our $5 because that's just what we do when we come to church. Or we used to come to church because we faithfully because we wanted to please God and draw closer, but now we just go to church because that's what we do on Sundays. Or we used to serve out of love for the kingdom, but now it's just, well, my name's on the list, so it's my time to serve. And there's got to come a point that sometimes... We're back at Bethel and the flare's not there and we're not excited anymore. But we have to get back to a place and say, all right, let me make this worship again. I know it's the same thing I did before, but i got to make sure it's worship. See, sometimes we do things that are fruit for a long time. We're producing the fruit of love, patience, and self-control in the form of these actions. By doing these things, that's the fruit of it. But over time, we lose the conviction of it. And we're just going through the motions and we're just living life and we're coming to church and we're faithful and we clap our hands with everybody else and we stand up when the preacher says stand up and we do what the preacher says and we're still producing fruit, you could say. But it's not what God intended. 
So sometimes God has to come along and cut those vines and say, are you doing this for you or are you doing this for me? Are you doing this are you doing this just because somebody is pressuring you? Are you doing this because you've fallen in love with me and you still have a relationship with me? Sometimes I need to check my motives and say, am I giving out of, just out of habit or am I giving because I want to honor God and worship God with my giving? Am I serving just because I'm going through the motions or am I serving because I want to please God and build His kingdom? Sometimes i got to stop and take inventory and say, God, is there something I need to check my motives on and check my intentions on because I I don't want to just go through the motions. This call is too important to just go through the motions. This, the, my lost neighbors is too important for me to just go through the motions. But I have to have the spiritual conviction. Say, God, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Maybe it's time to cut some distractions out and say, God, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to church, but I, may, I, I need to make sure I'm doing this for the right reason. So I'm going to show up a little earlier and find some time to go to the prayer room so I can make sure my heart is right and my mind is right. I'm going to make sure I serve, and I'm going to say, hey, can I serve somewhere else because I want to do more for the kingdom than I used to do? Or I'm going to dig a little deeper in my wallet and say, I know I used to give five, but this time I'm going to give ten because I'm not just going through the motions. I've fallen in love with Jesus, and he's everything to me and there's nothing this world can offer that's worth taking it away from me so if it makes me uncomfortable I must decrease but he must increase if, it, if I don't like it I must decrease but he must increase I and mean, it might mean something that I don't want to let go of but God at the end of the day it's not about me it's about you and I want to please you with everything that I do every decision I make every place that I go everything that I do every word that I say God I want to please you with my life go ahead stand to your feet musicians can come All that we do is pointing forward to that day that the kingdom of heaven is finally established on the earth. Every, every decision, everything that I do, there's going to be a day when sin's not going to be present. There's going to be a day when I'm not going to be at war with my flesh anymore. There's going to be a day when the fighting is over and I cross over to be with my Savior. 1 Corinthians 15 says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of, of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Except for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall it come to pass as saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul said all that pointing to that day when the kingdom would actually be established and sin would no longer be an issue and our flesh would no longer be an issue and our perishable broken self would be kept passed away and we'd be glorified before God. He said, don't you look forward to that day because there's one of these days, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work because one of these days you're going to understand that all this is not in vain. 
Everything that you let go of was not in vain. Everything that you put on was not in vain. Everything that you changed, every difficult decision, you weren't wasting your time because one day we're going to be with our Savior, Jesus Christ, standing before His throne, crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. One of these days, every temptation will be wiped away. Every tear will be wiped away. Every sickness will be taken away. But in the meantime, this promise is too important for me to go through the motions. In the meantime, while I'm waiting on the day that that trumpet sounds and we cross over into eternity, in the meantime, I'm going to do whatever i got to do to please God. In the meantime, it's worth every trial, it's worth every storm, it's worth everything, it's worth every difficult decision because I'll let go of anything to please my Savior because He must increase, but I must decrease. There's got to be more of Him and less of me. The calling at your world, that you have for your world, is too important just to go through the motions. The the calling that God has on your life, the lost people around you, the broken people around you, they're too important for us to just go through the motions and just do things because we've always done it that way. We've got to do it because we've fallen in love with God and say, God, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you. I'll let go of anything to please you because there's too much riding on this. We're going down to the